Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 7. I'm going to revisit the text from last week's message shared by Pastor Ken. There's so much there in that text. We could preach literally for weeks from the text. Please follow along as I read John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him, in Jesus, would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Gracious Father in heaven... I pray through the power of your spirit, you would speak to us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a a moment of high drama. It is the last day, the greatest day, the eighth day of the final feast of the year, the Feast of Tabernacles. It usually took place in early October at the time of the final harvest. It was a great, great celebration. For seven days, the Jews lived in lean-to tents or shanties made of palm branches, leaves, and trim limbs. Uh, The Jews would refer to them as booths, which was another name for the Feast of Tabernacles. It is also referred to as the Feast of Booths, lean-to tents. This was their way of remembering the 40 years that their ancestors spent wandering in the wilderness. The wilderness was a hard time for God's people. A long time. And a whole generation died while waiting to enter the promised land. And so why celebrate that difficult period in Israel's history? Because every day... Even in the wilderness, God miraculously provided manna and quail. But he didn't just provide food for his people. God provided water, supernaturally. Even though they lived in the desert with the sand, the sun, the heat, and desert flies surrounded by barrenness, God never failed his people, and he never fails us as well. They discovered the miracle-working power of God as he prepared a banquet table in the middle of the wilderness and fed them for 40 years. And so for seven days each year, the Jews came to Jerusalem, made their lean-to tents, and and celebrated God's faithfulness and goodness. I'm reminded of the angel's response to Mary after the angel of the Lord spoke to her, saying that it that she is with child, and and Mary said, how can this be since I do not know a man, a virgin with, with child? Impossible. The angel responds to Mary in Luke 137, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself living in the wilderness a hard and very long and trying season. You're overwhelmed by hopelessness. You question how you can go on. God is there with you. God is there 
with you, just like he was with his people in the wilderness. He is miraculously providing you his grace and strength. You can make it, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Church, we need to pray. We need to ask God to help us to be aware and attentive to people all around us. Suicide rates in this country have increased in nearly every state over the past two decades. And half of the states have seen suicide rates go up more than 30%. 30%. Suicide accounted for nearly 45,000 deaths alone in 2016. Jesus said concerning his sheep, his followers in John 10, 10. Reading from the New Living Translation, the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and and, and satisfying life, an abundant life in me. When you're deeply down and overwhelmed by feelings of, of hopelessness, I encourage you in the name of the Lord, be on guard, be careful. The devil who is a liar and a deceiver will tell you that your life doesn't matter. He will take advantage of you in your your state of mind. Just like he did with a whole generation of Israelites who rebelled against God in the wilderness. He will fill your head with nothing but lies. Words like worthless. Hopeless. No one cares. No one will miss you. Your life has no value. No purpose. You're not good at anything. This pain will never heal. Your life doesn't matter, but Jesus counters all the lies and shouts on the cross, your life matters. Your life matters. Someone needs to hear these words today. Sensed it deep in my spirit as I was praying and studying and preparing for today's message. Someone here today needs to hear these words. Your life matters. Jesus shouted those words about you on the cross. Your life matters. And so the Feast of Tabernacles was a time set aside each year for remembering and celebrating God's provision, not just food to eat, but water to drink. When the Israelites couldn't find water anywhere to drink, while on their journey through the wilderness under the the hot desert sun, walking on dry, hot desert sand, they began to accuse Moses of bringing them into the desert so they would die of thirst. Church, Thirst is your body's way of telling you that it's running low on water, which is needed to function and and work well. And Pastor Ken shared a personal illustration about his own life several years ago. He said, I shook him, but I remember smacking him across the face. (laughs) Kenny, Kenny, are you with me? Smack. It's like the gas gauge in your car when the light goes on. 
is telling you that it's running low on gas, which it needs to run. How many ignore that light? It's called the dummy light. A deep thirst, water nowhere in sight, the people murmuring and complaining. Moses calls out to the Lord. Exodus 17, chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, records the story. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses, fought with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you fight with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people People complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And so Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me, he, he says to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock and you shall strike the rock and, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. The Lord told Moses to take the same rod that he used to part the Red Sea and hit the rock, Horeb. And when he did, water gushed out, clean, fresh, pure, satisfying water, more than enough for all the people. To put this amazing miracle into perspective, there were at least 100,000 Jews who drank the water gushing from this rock. It was a mighty, mighty miracle. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Quenching the thirst of 100,000 people from a rock? For with God, nothing will be impossible. What made this miracle an even greater miracle as far as I'm concerned was despite the people murmuring and complaining, grumbling really against God, he still provided for them anyway. It's called grace. I'm so grateful for God's grace. We have a beautiful picture of God's grace illustrated here in this miracle. Grace is God's love and action towards people who deserve the opposite of love. Grace is the unmerited and undeserving favor of God. God's grace is mind-blowing when you encounter the grace of God, when you truly encounter the grace of God and comprehend it just this much. It blows your mind away. It does mine. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, missionaries to Rome, to Italy. He writes in Romans 5.20, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The phrase abounded much more is, is literally translated super abounded. I love that about the grace of God. Super abounded. In other words, you and I cannot out sin God's grace. If we could, we're in trouble. I'm so grateful that I cannot outsin God's grace. God's grace is mind blowing. Every time I think of this reality, every time I get emotional deep within because I serve a God whose love and grace baffles me. His love and grace, they, they woo me, they draw me close to Him. 
Now Paul continues to write to the church in Rome in chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, superabound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? You see, if you believe God's grace is a license to sin, then the truth of the matter is this. You have missed the point of God's grace altogether. You see, embracing Grace by faith in Jesus Christ does not mean you get to discard the Bible and all of the teachings of Jesus. What it means is that you now get to apply God's truth to your personal life through his divine power supplied to us by the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, provided to you and me by the amazing grace of God and not through any human efforts, but God's grace in God's grace alone. Embracing grace means you transition from the external restraints of the law to the internal restraint of the Holy Spirit, which I'm so grateful and thankful for. He keeps me out of a lot of trouble. No longer do you need to check your behavior against external rules, a list of do's and don'ts. The Holy Spirit living in us will provide you and me an internal check as as we live our lives for Christ. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, 8, and when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Embracing grace means you make the transition from the law of Moses to the law of love. Paul writes in Romans 5, 5, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Grace enables us, church, to to walk in love towards God. A love that does not seek its own, but seeks to to bless God and, and seeks to bless others by the way we live. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit applies God's grace and enables us to live and walk in that divine grace. If you want the grace of God to blow away your mind, I encourage you, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. It shouts from start to finish, grace, grace, grace. Oh, such grace, wonderful grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. God's grace superabounded towards the murmuring and complaining Israelites. The gushing water was God's love in action toward people who deserved the opposite of love. And so each day for seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests would form a procession from the temple and they would go to the pool as Pastor Ken shared so beautifully last week. And there he filled a pitcher. They would fill a pitcher made of gold with water and brought it back to the temple while, while, while the priest poured the water on the western side of this incredible massive altar the choir think about this a choir of 4,000 singers accompanied by 287 instruments began to sing joyfully 
the people cheered and sang Psalms 118, which ends with these words, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. It was a thunderous sound. It was, it was, it was sung with such joy and thanksgiving and praise. Church, when your mind is blown away by God's grace, by his miraculous provision of undeserving favor, you can't help but celebrate. You can't help but cheer, praise, and, and worship him in song and instrument. You just can't help get excited. Amen. It was on the eighth and final day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus stood up and spoke to the thousands of people crowding the temple, shouting, I am the rock that brought forth water in the wilderness. I am the source of living water. Come to me, believe on me, and I will give you living water. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was struck on the cross, his blood gushing out for, for the forgiveness of our sin, the remission of our sin, saying, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten. He was struck like the rock in the wilderness so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Two things that are very important from today's text. First, Jesus gives this amazing invitation in verse 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. On that last day, the, the eighth day of the feast, referred to as the great day of the feast, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I am the rock that brought forth water in the wilderness. Number eight. The number eight is significant. This, this was the last day, the eighth day of the feast, referred to as the great day of the feast. The number eight means new beginning. New beginning. How many need a new beginning today? Friend, there is hope for you. Your wilderness experience doesn't mean the end. There was a new beginning awaiting the Israelites, the promised land. There's a new beginning awaiting you. God is the God of new beginnings. He promises the Israelites in Joel chapter 2, verse 23, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts has eaten. He is a redeeming, restoring God, a God of new beginnings. Because of the fall, we have something in common. We thirst. Thirst is a lack of something, an emptiness in your life. There is the thirst of the intellect. We want to know the truth. There is the thirst of the conscience. We are guilty and need forgiveness. There is the thirst of the heart. We desperately search for happiness and don't know where to find it. We all thirst because of the fall. We, we have this in common. We all thirst. If there was one thing that the Jews would have understood, it would have been thirst. They lived in a hot and dry land. However, 
In our text, Jesus wasn't talking about physical thirst here, but something much deeper. The people needed water, not for their bodies, but for their souls. You see, as symbolic and powerful as this water ceremony was during the Feast of Tabernacles, it was only a ceremony. That's all it was. It was only a ceremony. It cannot satisfy their spiritual thirst deep down within their souls. Jesus' words, as we read through the text, his words are extremely intense. He shouted these words. Extremely intense were his words because he knew the intensity of the people's spiritual thirst. You see, whether we realize it or not, our souls thirst for God. Every desire, every aspiration, every longing of our nature is nothing less than a longing for God. What H2O can do for our body, Jesus can do for our soul. Can I hear a big amen? In fact, he invites us to come and drink of the living water that only he can provide. He invites us to quench our thirst in him and in him alone. And as he said to the woman of Samaria at the well, and Pastor Ken referenced um, the Samaritan woman at the world at the well last week in his sermon in John chapter 4, he says to us today, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Jesus was talking about a well that was made by human hands. You'll thirst again. Drink Starbucks, double shot, coffee, vanilla bean. But you'll thirst again. This is man-made. The well was a man-made well. He told the woman there at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, the water from this well, drink from it, but you'll thirst again. Diet tonic water. Drink it. Drink it all. But you will thirst again. It is man-made. You will thirst again. He goes on and tells the woman in John 4, verses 13 and 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, like the people of Israel who who live in a dry and barren land, at least spiritually, and there is nothing on this earth that can fully satisfy the spiritual thirst we have deep within our souls. There is only one answer for the thirst felt deep down in our soul, Jesus. Can we say his name together? Jesus. The woman at the well, she spent her life, her whole life, up until the point of meeting Jesus, she spent her whole life trying to find love and acceptance in all the wrong places until she met Jesus at the well. Jesus offered her the living water of the Holy Spirit. The only one that would quench her spiritual and emotional thirst. You see, only Jesus can fill out empty souls for eternity and provide for our, for our essential emotional needs now in the presence. This world is filled with wells that promise to provide love, acceptance, 
wells of self-worth. But they never fully, fully satisfy. Only Jesus can 100% satisfy our thirst. The second important thing from our text today is the promise. Jesus promises, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Notice the verbs Jesus uses in verses 37 and 38. Come, drink, believe. We all know what these words mean. Jesus used simple words so everyone could understand the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. These words require everyone to make a response by faith in Christ Jesus to come and drink. One must believe in Jesus, that he is the giver of life and source of all life. And just as no life on earth can survive without water, neither can any soul survive without the life-giving water of the Spirit of God. He fills our thirsty soul with the love of God as I read moments ago from Romans 5, 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, when our thirst is satisfied, we become a river of living water for others. Hear this today. What starts with God in heaven comes down to us on earth in our own physical bodies and then goes out from us to other people, from God to us to others, from God to us to others, from God to us to others. The concept of a river of living water can be found in various places in the Old Testament. There are many, many scripture references. In fact, here's just one, Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I'll pour water on him who is thirsty. How many are thirsty here? You need some water poured on you. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. 730 years before Christ and the day of Pentecost, Isaiah is prophesying about satisfying our thirst in rivers of living water flowing from us. In our main scripture text in John chapter 7, verse 39, John tells us that Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He brings God to us. When Jesus was on the earth... His name was Emmanuel, God with us. And that's how God was with us when Jesus physically walked on the earth. Now that he has gone back to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, the Holy Spirit comes and brings God to us. Isn't that glorious, church? The comforter has come. I'm going to preach about this. Next Sunday, summer celebration. Invite as many people as you can. The moment we believe in Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit opens the springs of life and a river of living water begins to flow from within us. Church, please hear this this morning. God never gives his blessings simply to be hoarded. How many hoarders do we have here? Hoarding the things, the blessings of God. He gives his blessings to us so that we can share them with others. He has graced us with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us to God so we can bring God to others. Isn't that wonderful? The rivers of living water flow from us to others by God's divine design. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life on earth as it's already written in heaven. The amen of heaven, let it be an amen here in my life. The promise Jesus makes to everyone who believes and comes to him was not only a blessing received to be hoarded, but he also promises that we will also become a source of blessing to others. Isn't that cool? We get to be a source, heaven's source of blessing on this earth to others. What an honor. What an amazing privilege. Flowing from God's people are acts of kindness and generosity and sacrificial love and service to others. The Holy Spirit is from God to us so we can become a source of blessing to others. We live to bless. We live to bless. How many got out of bed today and said, thank you, God. I live my life today to bless. We live to bless. The people of God live every day to bless. Amen? How are you blessing others? God's people, filled with God's spirit, become a source of blessing. I ask you today as I prepare to close, are you thirsty? The world offers us all kinds of drinks. There's hundreds of different kinds of drinks available, all with their own enticing and deceptive commercials. I'm not even touching the surface. My wife and I went shopping for these beverages and We were overwhelmed by all the choices. We shopped at Wegmans, Mr. Bob. Lots of choices, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of choices. A few years ago, Gatorade. I think I have a Gatorade right here. Gatorade. Promoted itself with this slogan. Are you ready? Gatorade for that deep down body thirst. Hmm. I thought the Holy Spirit meets that need. Maybe you should say Holy Spirit for that deep down soul thirst. Here's some bear slogans. I thought about purchasing some bear, but I wasn't sure if that would be a good thing to do in the line. 
late Saturday night with my wife, who knows who would have walked up to our register. But here's some beer slogans. A double diamond works wonders. Bass, reach for greatness. Budweiser, true. Oh, really? What happened here? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jenny, Jenny, or whatever we call it, I don't know, refreshes your spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Not the, oh. Miller beer, it doesn't get any better than this. It looks good. It tastes good. And by golly, it does you good. Don't be fooled. What the world offers you is only a substitute. The world never satisfies that deep down soul thirst we all have. But Jesus promises, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. As I conclude today's message, one fall while living in Massachusetts, our group, youth group went on a retreat in New Hampshire. And during the weekend, we climbed Mount Monadnock. And it was an unseasonably warm day for New England for a New England fall day. And we were told by our guide to make sure our water canteens were full before starting the climb. And that about three quarters of the way up, there was a flowing spring with fresh water um, coming off the mountain and you can refill your, your water bottles, your canteens. And I say guide, he was really our instructor. They didn't go up the mountain with us. And so halfway up the mountain, all of our water supply was gone. And it, again, was unseasonably very, very warm for a fall New England day. Teens were complaining and we we're, we're dying, we're dying, we're so thirsty. Our workers started to complain. Well, I thought he said three quarters of the way. I feel like we're past that three quarter of the ways mark. Where is this? Where is this fresh water? And it had rained earlier in the day, and so we had walked past several murky puddles. And so, not finding this fresh, flowing spring water anywhere in sight two of our youth leaders, our fearless youth leaders said, I can't take it anymore. I need something to drink. And they, they got down and they began to drink some of the, 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 the murky um, rainwater that had puddled up. And making all these different faces and so, you know, two or three or four of the, uh, the students followed and, and got down on their hands and knees and and just, you know, and then they were like, ah, this is gross, this is disgusting, oh. We all didn't get down and drink that water. But as we began to continue to climb the mountain, maybe three, maybe five minutes most, we walked into this incredible stream 
of water flowing from the mountain. There it is! We opened up our canteens and we're filling it with this fresh water. It was so, so, so good. Isaiah 55 says, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Why do you spend your wages for what does not satisfy? Why do you settle for murky rainwater, puddled up? The Lord says through his prophet, come to me and you shall live. Would you join me standing? Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh. Fall afresh. Church, can we just raise our hands towards heaven? Cry out, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh. Fall afresh on me. Fill me. Overflow me. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Oh, let's declare, I believe. This I believe. Let's declare, this I believe.